Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. To go where too few have gone before. A production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net and thewebalchemist.net on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 12th of December, 12-12-2020. And this week's show is on the subject of the election news, Hunter Swalwell and the vaccine. So a lot's been happening again this week, so a lot of information to share and pack into this show. Um, I'm going to start with the latest news on the uh, election, which is... The Supreme Court dismisses Texas 2020 election challenge. Alito and Thomas disagree. So this relates to the suit that was filed with the Supreme Court by Texas relating to the violations of the Constitution in terms of changes to the election process in four states and those states are Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. So I'm going to start with a Breitbart article on this subject. Um, the title is what I read out to you, Supreme Court dismisses Texas 2020 election challenge. This was published yesterday and um, this decision by the Supreme Court came out late yesterday, so it's red hot news. The Supreme Court dismissed a prominent legal challenge Friday to the 2020 election results filed Monday by the state of Texas. The state of Texas's motion for leave to file a bill of complaint is denied for lack of standing under Article 3 of the Constitution, the statement from the Supreme Court read. Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognizable interest in the manner in which another state conducts its elections. And it's got a screenshot of the actual decision uh, from the Supreme Court. As I said, that was, um, that was issued last night. And there's also a statement by Justice Alito and joined by Justice Thomas at the bottom of the uh, judgment. And it says, Statement of Justice Alito, with whom Justice Thomas joins, In my view, we do not have discretion to deny the filing of a bill of complaint in a case that falls within our original jurisdiction. See Arizona versus California. I would therefore grant the motion to file the bill of complaint, but would not grant other relief, and I express no view on any other issue. Texas Attorney General 
Ken Paxton filed a case directly to the Supreme Court, challenging the election results from Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan and Wisconsin. The suit argued that the four states illegally made changes to the voting rules through the courts instead of through state legislatures, violating the Elector's Clause. It also argues the differences in voting rules in different counties violated the Constitution's Equal Protection Clause and cites claims of voting irregularities in the states. Seventeen states joined the lawsuit as well as over 120 House Republicans. On Wednesday, and there's an update on this, I think it was um, actually 18 or 19 states that joined the lawsuit, um, <clears throat> not 17. It was originally 17, but others joined in as well. On Wednesday, the president described the Texas case as the big one and repeatedly urged the Supreme Court justices to have the wisdom and the courage to take up the case. Justice Samuel Alito issued a statement with the dismissal that was joined by Justice Clarence Thomas, arguing that the Supreme Court should take up the case. And uh, it repeats what I read from the actual screenshot of the decision. But Alito signalled he would not have granted the state of Texas the ability to halt the election certification as the challenge requested. I would therefore grant the motion to file the bill of complaint but would not grant other relief and I express no view on any other issue, he concluded. The three justices appointed by Trump, Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch did not voice an opinion on the case. Uh, but of course they voted um, with the Democrat judges to uh, dismiss the case. Now, as you can imagine, Trump was not impressed. <laughs> he was not happy at all. Um, this is a, an article from the Epoch Times. Trump Supreme Court really let us down. President Donald Trump late Friday responded to the Supreme Court order rejecting Texas's bid to challenge the 2020 election results in four battleground states. The Supreme Court really let us down. No wisdom, no courage, Trump wrote in a statement on Twitter following the top court's ruling. Incidentally, um, Twitter was censoring Trump's tweets this morning. I do have a, an article on that subject. If I've got time, I'll share it with you. Um, so, you're the President of the United States and you just went through an election where you got more votes than any sitting President in history by far and purportedly lost, he continued. You can't get standing before the Supreme Court, so you intervene with wonderful states that, after careful study and consideration, think you got screwed, something which will hurt them also. Many others likewise join the suit, but within a flash it's thrown out and gone, without even looking at the many reasons it was brought, a rigged election, fight on. Earlier that evening, the nation's top court handed down an order that disappointed many Americans who were hoping that the justices would shed some light on the ongoing dispute over the integrity of the 2020 election. The court opined that Texas did not have the legal standing or right 
to sue under the Constitution because it has not shown a valid interest to intervene in how other states handle their elections. The article goes on to repeat the, um, the dis decision by the Supreme Court, so I won't repeat that. Um, but it does explain what Justice Alito and um, Thomas meant by their statement. And it says, Justice Samuel Alito issued a separate statement to say he would have granted Texas's request to sue, but not the preliminary injunction, as he believes the Supreme Court is obligated to take up any case that falls within its original jurisdiction, meaning the court has the power to hear a case for the first time, as opposed to reviewing a lower court's decision. And it says Justice Clarence Thomas joined Alito in his statement. So I'm going to jump down a little bit. Um, Trump and his allies had pinned high expectations on the Texas lawsuit, with the president characterizing the case as the big one. He had asked the Supreme Court to allow him to join the case as an intervening party. Former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani who is leading the Trump campaign's legal efforts, told Newsmax that he thought the court's decision to reject the case was a terrible mistake. The worst part of this is basically the court is saying, we want to stay out of this, and they don't want to give them a hearing. They don't want the American people to hear the facts, Giuliani said. Giuliani said he had spoken to the president following the ruling who told the former mayor to consider alternate options. Giuliani added that since the court rejected the case based on legal standing, the president and some of the electors could bring other cases in the district courts, alleging the same facts. There is nothing that prevents us from filing these cases immediately in the district court, in which the president, of course, would have standing. Some of the electors would have standing, Giuliani said. Ellis, a Trump campaign senior legal advisor, told Newsmax she believes the team still has time to challenge the results, adding that January 6 is when Congress officially counts the Electoral College votes. That date in January, that's the date of ultimate significance, and the Supreme Court has recognised that, she said. We still have time, the state legislatures still have time to do the right thing. They can inquire, they can hold hearings, they can reclaim their delegates, and they should. And I hope that now all of the evidence we have brought forth in these hearings will give them the inspiration and courage that they need to act. Texas's case centers around allegations that Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan and Wisconsin changed election rules in violation of the U.S. Constitution's Electors Clause, treated voters unequally, and cause voting irregularities by relaxing ballot integrity protections under state law opening up the potential for voting fraud. Several attorneys general from the defendant states issued a statement welcoming the news. The president has a number of ongoing legal challenges in state and federal courts, some of which are making their way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Several lawsuits filed by third parties and attorney Sidney Powell are also proceeding through the judicial system. And then the continuing story 
Um, this is a Breitbart article. Giuliani says Trump team not finished after Supreme Court defeat. Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's personal attorney, said Friday on Newsback's TV Stingfield that the president's legal team will continue filing lawsuits even after the Supreme Court dismissed a lawsuit by Texas, which was backed by 17 other states and 126 House Republicans to overturn the election results in four swing states. Giuliani said the case wasn't rejected on the merits, the case was rejected on standing. So the answer to that is to bring the case now to the district court by the president, by some of the electors, alleging some of the, the same facts where there would be standing and therefore get a hearing. Host Grant Stinchfield said, Mr. Mayor, I know you talked to the President just after this ruling came down. What's his reaction and how's he doing through all this? Giuliani said, the President's reaction is to look at other options. I mean, we always knew that this was an option that we would have to convert this into. In fact, originally, we thought about this as possibly four or five separate cases. So that is the option we are going to have to go to. There's nothing that prevents us from filing these cases immediately in the district court in which the president, of course, would have standing. Some of the electors would have standing in that their constitutional rights have been violated. He added, we're not finished, believe me. And then there's a, an Epoch Times article. Trump approves filing retooled Texas-style election challenges. And this was actually published this morning, uh, the 12th. President Donald Trump's legal team is planning on filing retooled lawsuits, his lawyer said Saturday. We move immediately, seamlessly, to Plan B, which is to bring lawsuits now in each one of the states. We have them ready. They're just a version of the one that was brought in the Supreme Court. So last night the president made the decision, Rudy Giuliani said during an appearance on War Room Pandemic pandemic. Trump's team is going to file suits or has already filed in the four states as well as Arizona and Nevada. The suits will incorporate allegations in the complaint filed by Texas. If the state doesn't have standing, surely the President of the United States has standing and certainly the electors in the states have standing. So they will be bringing those very cases right in those courts starting today, Giuliani said. And let's see what excuse they can try to use to avoid having a hearing on that. And my understanding of the, um, the, the standing principle is that you can file a suit if you are directly affected by the, the subject of, of the lawsuit. And I think what the Supreme Court was saying is that a state isn't directly affected by what's going on in the other states, although I would be inclined to argue that point because it, it kind of in, invalidates a state's um, electoral college votes in because of these other states having violated the, the election rules and being swing states, their their electoral college votes just, you know, change the whole outcome of the election. So that's my understanding of, of the term standing. Uh, the article goes on. 
Courts have been using the matter of standing to dodge face, facing the facts, he alleged, adding nobody wants to face the reality that this election was stolen. This is outrageous what they're doing. The American people should have the benefit of hearing those facts. The facts have been kept from them, he continued. Not a single court decision has had a hearing yet. They haven't heard from a single witness. They haven't looked at a single tape. They haven't listened to a single recording. There are thousands of them. They haven't even bothered to look at the tape in Atlanta, Georgia, which is dispositive. It shows an ongoing voter theft of 30,000 votes, enough to change the election. Dozens of election-related lawsuits filed by Trump and others have been rejected in courts. Some were appealed. Other suits are still being decided. Surveillance footage from State Farm Arena showed poll observers being led to believe that ballot counting was ending around 10.30pm on election night. Once observers and media left, a handful of workers resumed counting. The footage showed. And I covered this in last week's show, um, so I won't repeat all that. According to certified counts in Georgia and the other five battleground states where election results are contested, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden beat Trump. Trump won all but Nevada in 2016. Biden's team didn't respond to a request for comment. So that's the um, response of, of the Trump team. Um, there's a, an article by the Gateway Pundit um, focused on Texas's, uh, the state of Texas response. Texas GOP Chairman Alan West suggests secession after SCOTUS allows complete lawlessness with 2020 elections. Uh, this was published this morning as well. Texas GOP Chairman Alan West re released a statement on Friday night after the Supreme Court failed to take on the Texas case. In his statement, West suggests that law-abiding states may join together and form a union of states that abides by the U.S. Constitution. It is clear that Democrats no longer respect or believe in this country's founding documents. And it's got a screenshot of the um, Chairman West's response to the SCOTUS decision. The Supreme Court, in tossing the Texas lawsuit that was joined by 17 states and 106 U.S. congressmen, have decreed that a state can take unconstitutional actions and violate its own election law, resulting in damaging effects on other states that abide by the law, while the guilty state suffers no consequences. This decision establishes a precedent that says states can violate the U.S. Constitution and not be held accountable. This decision will have far-reaching ramifications for the future of our constitutional republic. And then it's highlighted, perhaps law-abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. The Texas GOP will always stand for the Constitution and for the rule of law, even while others don't. Alan West then went on to say what millions of Americans are thinking today. And this then shows a tweet by Adam Kelsey. The Texas GOP is out with a statement in the wake of the Supreme Court decision all but calling for secession. And it repeats a screenshot of the uh, chairman's statement. And <clears throat> then this t second tweet from Adam Kelsey 
More from at Alan West tonight. This time less we're out of here and more actually they're the ones who should succeed. Let these other states go out their own separate way and let them not be supported by these other states such as ourselves. Now in terms of the uh, censorship, YouTube put out a statement earlier this week saying that because the 8th of December was the safe harbour date for election certifications that they would basically ban any videos from the 9th onwards that claimed election fraud or calling into question the outcome of the election and not only take down videos but the, the whole channel so major censorship from YouTube but then I don't think any of us are surprised about that it's just more of the same and then this morning uh, when Trump was tweeting about this Supreme Court decision uh, Twitter and this is a um, an Epoch Times article again Twitter restricts user interactions with Trump's posts of election disputes. Twitter on Saturday, that's today, briefly restricted comments, likes and forwarding options on a series of posts from President Donald Trump in which he claims that he had won the legal vote and the election was stolen from him through widespread fraud. In one of the three posts on Saturday morning, Trump responded to the Supreme Court's decision to dismiss a Texas lawsuit challenging election results in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin. Texas claimed that the pandemic-related changes the four battleground states implemented to their election procedures were illegal and asked the Supreme Court to block them from casting unlawful and constitutionally tainted votes in the Electoral College. This is a great and disgraceful miscarriage of justice, Trump wrote. The people of the United States were cheated and our country disgraced, never even given our day in court. In another post, Trump said he had won the election in a landslide if only legal votes were counted. He then wrote in a separate post that two Republican governors, Brian Kemp of Georgia and Doug Ducey of Arizona, fought alongside his Democratic opponents to allow votes to be stolen from him. Who is a worse governor, at Brian Kemp, GA of Georgia, or at Doug Ducey of Arizona, Trump wrote. These are two rhino Republicans who fought against me and the Republican Party harder than any Democrat. They allowed states that I won easily to be stolen. Never forget, vote them out of office. All three posts were affixed a warning label reading, This claim about election fraud is disputed. The like and forwarding functions were also disabled on those posts. When users attempt to forward or like the posts, a message would pop up reading, We try to prevent a tweet like this that otherwise breaks the Twitter rules from reaching more people, so we have disabled most of the ways to engage with it. Twitter later backed down to restore the like function on the president's posts with users only able to quote tweet them alongside their own comments. The latest move to restrict the spread of Trump's speech on Twitter comes after the president and allies vowed to dismantle Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, 
which guarantees that social media companies such as Facebook, Twitter and YouTube can't be sued in American courts because of the user-generated content, so long as they're not considered publishers. Critics of the social media giants say that they do act as publishers when they censor certain users or topics, and use fact-checking power to label content they don't like as misinformation. It's essentially a shield that is given to social media networks because they claim to be the public square, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany said at a press briefing. And when you're a publisher, there are certain responsibilities with that. You should not be immune from liability. Okay, so that's the article about the censorship. Uh, I haven't seen anything on Facebook yet to suggest that they'll be following suit, but then I haven't been on Facebook very much this week, so maybe they are. I don't know. So let's look at some of the other things that are going on. Um, an article from the Gateway Pundit. This was published yesterday. Breaking Trump legal team files emergency petition with the Supreme Court of Georgia. President Donald Trump's legal team has filed an emergency petition in the Supreme Court of Georgia. The petition comes just hours after the Supreme Court denied Texas's bid to challenge voting procedures in four states and investigate voter fraud. The petition seeks a writ of certiorari to review the court order of Justice Constance C. Russell earlier this month, who the Trump campaign contends was not qualified to preside over the election contest or enter orders in the case. The campaign is seeking to decertify the results of the election in Georgia, which has been the subject of extreme controversy due to the extreme irregularities with the votes. The 248-page petition can be read in full here. President Trump has filed a massive lawsuit in Fulton County. Some of the highlights include 2,560 felons who voted, 66,247 underage voters, and 2,423 votes from people who were not registered. The lawsuit additionally lists 1,043 individuals registered at P.O. boxes, 4,926 individuals who voted in Georgia after registering in another state, 395 individuals who voted in two states, 15,700 votes from people who moved out of state before the election, 40,279 votes of people who moved without re-registering in their new county, and 30 to 40,000 absentee ballots lacking proper signature matching and verification. The legal team included numerous affidavits and outlined over 30 violations of Georgia laws and codes. Currently, Biden leads the state with 2,473,633 votes, to Trump's 2,000, sorry, 2,461,854. The lawsuit has highlighted nearly 200,000 illegal votes, more than enough to change the results. Georgia officials who have fecklessly asserted that the general election was an amazing success, with no credible evidence of irregularity, are undermining public confidence in the integrity of our elections, State Republican Chairman David Schaffer said when announcing the lawsuit. 
So let's take a look at some of the latest news about what went on in Georgia in terms of the uh, voter and election fraud. Um, we've got an article from Gateway Pundit. This was published on the 7th, which was Monday, I believe. Breaking, expert identifies 200,000 votes hijacked from Trump to Biden in Georgia, the precinct level. And it shows a map of the, the states and shows Georgia numbers. Um, doesn't have a time on this, but it's showing when Trump was actually leading Biden. Uh, Trump with 50.5% of the votes, Joe Biden 48.3%. Um, data expert Edward Solomon analyzed the 2020 election results in Georgia and identified another pattern in the data showed ultimately 200,000 votes transferred from Pre President Trump to Joe Biden at the precinct level. President Trump was reportedly ahead in the 2020 election in Georgia on election night by over 100,000 votes, but within hours his lead was diminished. It's likely even when President Trump was hundreds of thousands of votes ahead, he had already had 200,000 votes net moved from his totals to Joe Biden. Then when this was not enough to steal the election for Biden, the Democrats implemented emergency measures in Atlanta, making up a water main break story in an effort to vacate the state farm center where absentee ballots were being counted. Once alone, a few individuals stuck around and pulled suitcases full of ballots out from under a table and added thousands of ballots for Joe Biden to the system. Eventually, the election was stolen for Biden in Georgia by 10,000 votes. And <clears throat> there's a link to another article by Gateway Pundit, and this relates to one of the people who was actually at the State Farm Centre involved with running these ballots through the system. And the title of that article is exclusive. More on suspect Ralph Jones Sr. was outed by loudmouth Gabriel Sterling. Son Ralph Ju Jones Jr. is the official spokesman for Democrat U.S. Senate candidate Warnock linked to Stacey Abrams. The pieces are falling together. We've identified Ralph Jones Sr. as the supervisor running the late-night ballot counts in Atlanta in secret after sending all Republicans home from the arena. And I won't read the rest of the article. The, if you take a look at this one, um, you'll get the link in the uh, comments or the description of the recording. Um, you can link through to that particular article. Previous work. For weeks, we knew that votes were moved from President Trump to Joe Biden through the voting applications used in the election. We saw this and reported this at a high level after reporting on numerous glitches and then discovering some work at the Donald website where a group of individuals uncovered millions of votes transferred at the state level. And again, there's a link to another Gateway Pundit article breaking exclusive analysis of election night data from all states shows millions of votes either switched from President Trump to Biden or were lost using Dominion and other systems. And I've covered this in a previous show. 
Then we were introduced to another internet genius who took a look at the data reported from election night and using a script he developed identified hundreds of thousands of votes moving from President Trump to Joe Biden, oftentimes through third-party candidates. These transfers occurred in every state. And the link to that article, Breaking Exclusive, the steal was massive. Expert reveals how hundreds of thousands of Trump votes were shifted to Biden on election night. The next day we were introduced to Edward Solomon's work in Pennsylvania where he shows how votes are systematically transferred at the precinct level from President Trump to Joe Biden. Once a precinct would reach a level where the percent of voters voting in a precinct reached near 100%, the shift would move to other precincts. Solomon's initial work was in Pennsylvania. Exclusive, brilliant. America's online Minutemen and Women just uncovered the Dominion plot transferring vote ratios between Pennsylvania precincts. Expert Solomon again has located votes that were switched from President Trump to Joe Biden, this time in Georgia. Using the same approach, the same pattern is identified and ultimately 200,000 votes net were moved from President Trump to Joe Biden. Biden is only ahead in Georgia by 10,000 votes. There is so much fraud in Georgia that it was criminal for the Republican state leaders to sanction the 2020 election and claim Joe Biden won the state. This is absolutely not true. And then we have another Epoch Times article. This was um, December 10th, so Thursday. Over 21,000 Georgia election anomalies sent to state officials data analyst says. Matt Brainard, the head of the Voter Integrity Project, said on December 10th that he's delivered evidence of more than 21,000 election anomalies and irregularities to three top Georgia officials. In a letter to Governor Brian Kemp, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and Attorney General Chris Carr, Brainard said he sent via FedEx an envelope with a USB drive containing evidence of illegal ballots that were cast in Georgia in the November 3rd election. Brainard said he obtained the evidence via the Voter Integrity Project, which, in turn, was paid for with crowdfunded contributions from many of your residents. Brainard said his team reached out to voters who Georgia marked as having requested an absentee ballot but not returning it. And there's a tweet from Matt Brainard, update, per FedEx, the complete data set VIP findings have been delivered to the Georgia Governor, Attorney General and Secretary of State in a digital format on a USB drive with the accompanying letter identifying over 21,000 anomalies. And that has a screenshot of the um, letter that was sent and... Um, it lists out the different categories uh, of irregularities that are included on USB drive, um, which is actually a, a, an Excel work, workbook, and it lists out the different sheets with the statistics on there. Brainard also made note of voters who told the call centre that they didn't request the ballot despite the state marking them as having requested an absentee ballot, as well as voters who told the Voter Integrity Project 
they did request a ballot and mailed it back, although Georgia didn't record that it was received. Other tables include evidence of voters who voted in two different states, including Georgia, voters who were registered to vote with an address listed at a U.S. Postal Service facility and disguised that address as an apartment or P.O. box, the letter said. Brainard also highlighted other alleged irregularities that occurred during the election in Georgia. I'm well aware that examining this evidence may be a time-consuming and complicated ordeal, Brainard wrote. To aid you in this endeavour, I am happy to make myself available to assist your staff in validating it. Officials at the Georgia Attorney General's office and the Secretary of State's office didn't immediately respond to requests by the Epoch Times for comment about Brainard's letter. Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has said there's been no evidence of irregularities that would overturn the election results and has pushed for certification. On December 7th, he announced that Georgia recertified its election results following a recount. Although Coffey County said it wasn't able to duplicate the results on voter machines. I can give you the list of the people who voted in this election who filed national change of address cards in Georgia, moving themselves to another state, Brainard wrote last month about Georgia's election. And I, sh I can also show you the subsequent state voter registrations of these individuals in other states who then cast early or absentee ballots back in Georgia, he added. I can show you the names of the people and the records of them having voted in multiple states and the raw data that, that's, that the states make available. The FBI reached out to him about his group's findings that indicates illegal ballots, adding that he delivered to the agency all of our data, including names, addresses, phone numbers, etc., he said in a Twitter post around the same time. And there is actually another article that I want to share with you. And this relates to what I was just reading in that previous one, uh, relating to Coffee County not being able to repeat the um, election results in that recount. Um, this is an article by resistthemainstream.co. Watch election officials demonstrate how allegedly Dominion machines can switch votes, fill out blank ballots. Election officials from a small county in Georgia are arguing they can prove the much maligned Dominion voting systems machines used in several battleground states during the 2020 election are fraught with security risks. In a pair of videos posted on YouTube Wednesday, Coffey County Election Supervisor Misty Martin appeared to demonstrate how, with relative ease, the machines can be used to wrongfully tabulate votes in a range of ways, such as to scan the same ballots multiple times, switch votes, or even fill out blank ballots. So there's my blank ballot that I want to adjudicate, and I'm going to vote for Doug Collins. And I just counted that vote, Martin said on the video, showing other election officials how someone could allegedly scan a blank ballot into the system and then proceed to fill it out in adjudication. Earlier in the recording, Martin showed how a batch of ballots could allegedly be scanned through the system and accepted more than once. She also demonstrated how an election worker could view a filled-out ballot in adjudication and from there switch votes from one candidate to another. 
At one point, the camera was taken outside of Martin's office in order to demonstrate the perspective of a poll observer watching the process. The officials conclude that someone watching from that distance would not be able to adequately assess what was happening. As the second video concludes, you can hear someone say, it works fine for honest people, those who intend to do wrong though, certainly can. In the videos, election officials do not allege that widespread fraud occurred in Coffee County. Rather, they point to the potential for fraud in any county where the Dominion voting machines were used. It should be noted that officials in the video appeared to be running tests with the ballots and not actually counting them toward 2020 election totals. Whether the system has the same security settings for tests and official counts was not immediately clear. And then it's got the two videos that are demonstrating what was described in the article. Just want to quickly run through a couple of other points about the election that have come in up recently. Uh, December 9th, Gateway Pundit published an article exclusive. President Trump's executive order regarding foreign intervention in U.S. elections could result in perilous consequences for Biden family and others. And the article goes on to say, as we reported previously, President Trump issued an executive order in September 2018 addressing foreign intervention in our elections. This order will soon be in the spotlight as more evidence comes out about foreign actors like China infiltrating the U.S. through dirty politicians and especially the Bidens. And <clears throat> to show the executive order, uh, President Trump on September 12, 2018, issued an executive order that covered foreign interference in the U.S. election process. Breitbart reported on the EO when it came out. Um, the order begins by describing the actions of foreigners in our elections involved in undermining public confidence in the elections, including accessing the election infrastructure or distributing propaganda. Then the order goes on to state the DNI, currently John Ratcliffe, is to create a report due 45 days after the election, which is December 18th, to address any Americans working with foreign entities or foreign entities messing with our elections. The order includes strict penalties on those foreign entities or individuals who interfere in our elections, including the ability to take away property and interests from those entities or individuals in the U.S. In recent days and weeks, we've heard of numerous instances where foreigners were or may have been interfering in U.S. affairs and perhaps even our elections. We've had numerous articles about Dominion, a Canadian company with operations overseas and the machines they produced for U.S. elections. Yesterday, we even noted that part of the hardware sold with the Dominion system, a connectivity device, allows remote access to the machines and is related to a French company owned by a Chinese company. And there's a link to an article a uh, major national security issue identified relates to China's connection to Dominion voting machines. We've heard of Georgia's Republican governor's suspected interactions with the Chinese. Governor Brian Kemp on video in front of communist flag asking Chinese companies to invest in Georgia. That's another article by Gateway Pundit. 
We reported on a Chinese whistleblower who claims China manufactured fraudulent ballots that were sent to the US for this election. Again, a link to that article. Over the past 24 hours, we've heard of a relationship Democrat Eric Swalwell had with the Chinese. And this is uh, an article on that subject. I'm going to be covering that later in the show. Um, we heard a Chinese national brag about China having people at higher up places in the U.S. And now today, the U.S. Senate released documents related to Hunter Biden and the Biden family's conflicts of interest with China and the Biden's criminal, financial, counterintelligence and extortion concerns with the Ukraine and China. And it's a tweet by Kyle Becker, Hunter Biden, laptop. It's a little icon of the laptop. The Senate report on Hunter Biden just dropped. The damning report doesn't just raise conflicts of interest concerns. They raise criminal, financial, counterintelligence and extortion concerns. Alarming stuff about the Biden's ties to Ukraine and China. And it's got a screenshot of a section of this report. And um, that was from December the 8th, that tweet. Some people believe President Trump may have had an idea that someone or some entity would interfere in our election. His executive order may have perilous consequences for many, including the Biden family. So the news on Hunter Biden this week is that he is facing a tax fraud investigation. And I've got an article here by Zero Hedge. Hunter Biden reveals he is facing tax fraud investigation. This was from Thursday the 10th. In a surprise move, Hunter Biden, the controversial son of former Vice President Joe Biden, whose business dealings in China and Ukraine were exposed in a series of stunning exposés in the run-up to the November 3rd election, has just revealed that he is under federal investigation for potential tax-related malfeasance. Investigators are said to have been examining multiple financial crimes involving Hunter, including whether he and or his associates violated tax and money laundering laws in business dealings in foreign countries, principally China. Some of those transactions involved individuals whom the FBI believed could pose counterintelligence concerns. Notably, the probe was disclosed five days before Joe Biden is widely expected to be confirmed as the next president by the Electoral College, barring something totally unexpected. Hunter Biden said in a statement, I learned yesterday for the first time that the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware advised my legal counsel, also yesterday, that they are investigating my tax affairs. I take this matter very seriously but I am confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally and appropriately, including with the benefit of professional tax advisers. This is the first time the investigation has been disclosed to the public, suggesting that Hunter is trying to get out in front of the story in an effort to control the narrative. Meanwhile, the Biden-Harris team has released a statement affirming that Biden is quote, deeply proud of his son who has fought through difficult challenges, including the, the personal attacks of recent months, only to emerge stronger. We understand that the election is now in the past, but will we see Twitter and Facebook again firing up the censors to stamp out any and all speculation about the case? 
According to reports, the DOJ probe is said to have started in 2018. CNN added that the investigation by federal authorities is focusing on Hunter's business dealings in China, which, remember, the mainstream media tried its hardest to cover up in cooperation with social media. Active work on the Hunter Biden investigation has been largely dormant in recent months due to DOJ guidelines mandating investigators exercise caution on politically sensitive issues. Now that the election is over, investigators can ramp up their investigation, taking things to a new phase. Federal prosecutors in Delaware are cooperating with the IRS Criminal Investigation Agency as well as the FBI. They are taking overt steps such as issuing subpoenas and seeking interviews, the person with knowledge said. During the closing weeks of the race between Hunter's father and sitting President Donald Trump, the New York Post and others published a series of reports exposing alleged influence peddling undertaken by Hunter to enrich himself and his family. We learned back then that the FBI seized the laptop in October 2019. Law enforcement officials grumbled to reporters that Hunter's laptop, which was abandoned at a repair shop near his home in Wilmington, was the laptop from hell and contained a treasure trove of top-secret material. And that seems to be a link to another article. As we wait to learn more, the outrage mob is already forming as their shrieks about how Trump's taxes are the real story echo across the internet, even as the most salacious rumours and conspiracy theories about Trump and his alleged relationship with Russia have long since been shown to be false. To be sure, while Biden and his team weigh their options for who will serve as AG during Biden's single term in office, he has already pledged not to run again, this investigation could create some thorny complications and opportunities for conflicts of interest. And it appears it's not just a hunter that's under investigation. Uh, Gateway Pundit has a, an article, Joe Biden's brother, James Biden, also under federal investigation. And this was on December the 9th it was published. James Biden, brother and alleged business partner of Democrat presidential nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden, is under federal investigation, according to a report by Politico published late Wednesday night. The investigation into Joe Biden's brother was included in an article about the extent of the federal investigation into Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. The Politico report claims Joe Biden does not appear to be under investigation. Uh, there's an excerpt here. The federal investigation into President-elect Joe Biden's son, Hunter, has been more extensive than a statement from Hunter Biden indicates, according to a person with first-hand knowledge of the investigation. On Wednesday, Hunter Biden said he had been contacted about a tax investigation out of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. In addition to Delaware, the Securities Fraud Unit in the Southern District of New York also scrutinized Hunter Biden's finances, according to the person with direct knowledge of the investigation. The person said that, as of early last year, investigators in Delaware and Washington were also probing potential money laundering and Hunter Biden's foreign ties. The person spoke on the condition of anonymity because they are not authorized to discuss the matter publicly. 
Um, in addition to the probe into Hunter Biden, federal authorities in the Western District of Pennsylvania are conducting a crim criminal investigation of a hospital business in which Joe Biden's brother James was involved. Federal officials have asked questions about James Biden's role in the business, according to a second person with direct knowledge of that investigation, who said it remains ongoing. There is no indication that Joe Biden himself is under investigation, but if the cases remain open when Joe Biden takes office, they could complicate his presidency and shine an unflattering light on his relatives' dealings, which often seek to capitalise on the Biden family's political connections. FBI agents, meanwhile, have been asking about James Biden's dealings with the hospital company AmeriCorps Health, an operator of rural hospitals, as part of an investigation based out of the Western District of Pennsylvania, according to the person with direct knowledge of that investigation. In late January, FBI agents raided an AmeriCorps hospital in Elwood City, Pennsylvania, and carted off boxes. That's the end of the excerpt, and it gives a link to the full Politico article. James Biden was asked by Fox News last October about his alleged business dealings with Joe, Hunter and Tony Bobolinsky. James Biden refused to answer questions called out by a reporter across the street from his home on Maryland's eastern shore. Excerpt. Bobolinsky said he raised concerns in 2017 to the former vice president's brother Jim Biden, about Joe Biden's alleged ties to a possible joint venture with a Chinese energy firm. Bobolinsky, a retired lieutenant in the U.S. Navy, was the former CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which he said was the partnership between the CEFC chairman Ye, Yi Yanming and the two Biden family mem members. I remember saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Aren't you concerned, he told Carlson. He claims that Jim Biden chuckled, plausible deniability. He said it directly to me in a cabana at the Peninsula Hotel, Bobolinsky said. Asked about the plausible deniability claim on Wednesday, Jim Biden did not answer and walked inside the home. And then it's got a video that's in a tweet by Kristen Taylor. Uh, Jim Biden dodges questions about Tony Bobolinsky. If Joe Biden's son and brother are both under federal investigation, it strains credulity that Joe Biden himself is not on the radar screen of federal investigators. And of course, we know that Bobolinsky was saying that Joe Biden was involved. And I saw a, a report today. Um, I don't have that one to share with you, but it was basically saying that one of the emails on the Hunter Biden laptop was referencing Joe Biden as being one of the officers of a company. I can't remember which company it was, but he was requesting keys to the office for Joe Biden and another person. I can't remember who that was, but that's very indicative that Joe Biden was involved in all these business deals. And it's interesting, isn't it, uh, how these things are being revived um, linked to this executive order about foreign interference. Now, we know the uh, media and social media particularly, um, they censored any reports uh, about the Hunter Biden laptop and uh, blocked the New York Post Twitter account 
for what I believe was quite a substantial period, if I remember correctly. And they they have done a report, actually, that was put out on the 10th, how the media covered up the Hunter Biden story until after the election. Uh, I don't have time to read that because I'm running out of time here. Um, but it's interesting that this is now surfacing again. And the other interesting point about foreign interference that was mentioned in that earlier report I was reading uh, relates to Eric Swalwell. And this is an Axios.com article. Exclusive suspected Chinese spy targeted California politicians. And this was published December the 8th. And it says a suspected Chinese intelligence operative developed extensive ties with local and national politicians, including a U.S. congressman in what U.S. officials believe was a political intelligence operation run by China's main civilian spy agency between 2011 and 2015, Axios found in a year-long investigation. Why it matters. The alleged operation offers a rare window into how Beijing has tried to gain access to and influence U.S. political circles. While this suspected operative's activities appear to have ended during the Obama administration, concerns about Beijing's influence operations have spanned President Trump's time in office and will continue to be a core fo focus for U.S. counterintelligence during the Biden administration. And an aside is, I don't believe Biden's going to have an administration. Um, and then it's got an image of this person, uh, the woman at the center of the operation, a Chinese national named Fang Fang, or Christine Fang, targeted up-and-coming local politicians in the Bay Area and across the country who had the potential to make it big on the national stage. So she's shown with Eric Swalwell, um, with very, a number of other politicians as well. Through campaign fundraising, extensive networking, personal charisma and romantic or sexual relationships with at least two Midwestern mayors, Fang was able to gain proximity to political power, according to current and former U.S. intelligence officials and one former elected official. Even though U.S. officials do not believe Fang received or passed on classified information, the case was a big deal because there were some really, really sensitive people that were caught up in the intelligence network, a current senior U.S. intelligence official said. Private but unclassified information about government officials, such as their habits, preferences, schedules, social networks, and even rumors about them is a form of political intelligence. Collecting such information is a key part of what foreign intelligence agencies do. Among the most significant targets of Fang's efforts was Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat, California. Fang took part in fundraising activity for Swalwell's 2014 re-election campaign, according to a Bay Area political operative and a current U.S. intelligence official. Swalwell's office was directly aware of these activities. On its behalf, the political operative said that same political operative who witnessed fang fundraising on Swalwell's behalf found no evidence of illegal contributions. Federal Election Commission records don't indicate Fang herself made donations, which are prohibited from foreign nationals. 
Fang helped place at least one intern in Swalwell's office, according to those same two people, and interacted with Swalwell at multiple events over the course of several years. A statement from Swalwell's office provided to Axios said, Representative Swalwell long ago provided information about this person, whom he met more than eight years ago and whom he hasn't seen in nearly six years, to the FBI. To protect information that might be classified, he will not participate in your story. I don't have time to read the rest of the uh, article, but uh, I will, of course, share a link. Just the last thing about the vaccine. I know there's a lot of um, nervousness and concern about this Pfizer vaccine that's being released and has been given emergency authorization by the FDA, a lot of people are saying, why is Trump pushing these vaccines so hard through this Operation Warp Speed? And a friend shared this with me. It's a screenshot of a tweet by Greg Anderson. So Trump orders a substantial amount of the Pfizer vaccine, but turned down Pfizer's offer to purchase a second batch. The first 44,000 vaccines will be sent to military bases around the country. The military will do the final purity check before distribution. Think the white hats don't have the doctors they want in there to do the testing? The military gets the evidence and has proof of an attempt to kill US soldiers and citizens. The scientists can now be considered our enemy combatants at this point. A mass roundup of all pharma scientists, the FDA and anyone involved in the plot will occur. Treason at the highest levels. All collaborators will be under military jurisdiction. Tri tribunals and executions to follow. White Hats have put together a plan. Quantum computing allows the White Hats to peer into the future so they already know what moves they need to make to reach checkmate. It will be impossible for them to lose because all future probabilities and results have been taken into account. Game over. How long ago did the head of Pfizer dump a bunch of shares in his own company. Does he know he needs a bunch of lawyers to save his life? We have it all. Well played, Mr. President. Let the popcorn flow. And of course, I don't know how true this is. It uh, could be pure speculation, but there's always something behind the scenes going on with Trump and the White Hat. So I do hope this is true. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I've actually run out of time completely. In fact, I've overrun slightly. So I'd like to thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the show and you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week. Uh, just a reminder, you can find me at the successalchemist.net and the webalchemist.net. And uh, thank you to Nancy for producing. Bye. For You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.